Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Uni Tanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Great beer is about drinkability. Doesn't matter the style. You guys are like walking beer Wikipedia. That's the first time that you've ever accepted me as a person. Or you have a fermentation in your gut. I'm jet propelled at all times. (laughs) How many guys do you think that you have the privilege to slap? Somebody who's never tasted a commercial example. And this is how you know everything about this beer? Please, you don't. I think it's bullshit. (laughs) I think it's bullshit, too. Wow. Are you guys going to arm wrestle? No. No. We're going to teabag fight. You heard of Junkyard Wars? Can I get another high five, Beavis? (laughs) Now, live from the Brewing Network Studios in Northern California, this is the radio program for home brewers, craft brewers, beer lovers, and beer geeks. It's your only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers together with, well, expert drinkers. This is the radio program with a head on it. This is The Session. Welcome, everybody. It's The Session. Welcome back to another Beer-Filled Monday. And I'm excited about today's guest. We have Lead Dog Brewing. Uh, Mr. Thomas Wisdom is on the line with us. Thomas, how's it going, man? Good. How are you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. I appreciate you uh, you joining us. And you're in uh, Reno Sparks, Nevada. Correct. The Reno Sparks mm-hmm. area. Cool. I like that area. Reno, uh, you know, Reno is like... Um, I don't know. It feels like it's always when I think about Reno, it's like always in like 1965. I don't know why, because I I like that part of Reno where it's just like there's cobblestones on the walls or like not like slate or whatever. It's that very like late 60s design. Those are my favorite casinos to go into. It's just like that's what's always seared into my mind. But Reno is huge now. Like Reno's expanded a lot. Yeah, it's blown up. I've been looking for a house to buy and it's more expensive than you would think. Really? So, yeah, well, uh, when everybody started working from home at the beginning of COVID, you know, yeah. uh, the tech crowd moved up into the uh, Tahoe and that kind of pushed a lot of the Tahoe uh, locals down into Reno. And so, <laughs> Wow, just displaced everybody. 
Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. I hate to see it, man. You know, I've read a few articles. I don't think anybody really knows where everybody went. It's almost like a missing tribe, right? <laughs> where mm-hmm. it's like people left San Francisco Bay Area, but you see some people go like, oh, well, we just moved out to the to the burbs or they left the state in general. It just it was a really weird displacement. Yeah. Any outdoor recreation uh, little town out there like Bishop or Mammoth Lakes or Lake Tahoe. Uh, Leavenworth up in Washington. I think mm-hmm. I, a lot of those, anybody who like mountain bikes and skis went there. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, at some point, mm-hmm. why not? I don't know. Yeah. I would always be too afraid to do that because I'd be afraid of like the locals, you know, finger wagging me or worse. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. cause you hear these stories in, uh, especially like in Portland where it seems to be like people are really mean. Uh, about if you have people California, California. Place, yeah. yes, right, yeah. and I and I was like, I don't. I got my car spit on one time driving through Portland. It's like I don't didn't. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to live here. I'm literally yeah. driving north. <laughs> like I don't know. I don't understand. But I was in a cab several years ago, and the cab driver was like, "Yeah, well, you know, these houses, these ones here were like vandalized a couple of years ago because people from California moved in, and they spray painted on their garage door, move back to California, and then they." left and it's a whole like it's weird man so i would be super nervous to go i don't know to just go displace myself i don't know yeah yeah it's me it's kind of crazy but you know (laughs) when you know people move in usually the some good restaurants follow the good coffee shops the beer scene gets a little little better you know yeah i mean i wonder what that is like because you you do have understandably more money i guess moving Mm -hmm. in you know, yeah. so you can support more businesses and more more local businesses like it, I'm sure. But I'm sure the residents hate it because they're like yourself trying to save up, buy a house, yeah. do a thing. Yeah. And it just gets harder and harder with seem like every month mm-hmm. prices Definitely. go up and up. Yeah. But uh, anyway, we're not here to talk about real estate, everybody. Actually, this is a real estate podcast now. I'm transitioning the show and mm-hmm. uh, we're just talking about uh, buying the dip. And I don't know what that yeah, means. I can I can put my Venmo out there if anybody needs some uh, bad advice. Yeah, cash app me, and um, I only yeah. take uh, Shiba coin in payment. So, ah, yeah, thanks. that's all I do. Anyway, before we get to the beer, though, I want to thank our sponsor, More Beer. You can go to morebeer.com, and you can find absolutely everything you need to make great beer at home. And uh, when I say beer, of course, it's wine and coffee and kombucha. I don't know why I decide that beer is just the thing that all encompassing craft you can do at home that involves more beer. I don't know why, but that's just what it is. You can do all that kind of fun stuff, all the ingredients, all the supplies, all the recipes that you're ever going to need, books, equipment, morebeer.com. Check it out. All right, Thomas, give me a little background on your, on your brewing history. How did you get into craft beer, man? Um, well, I got out of the Coast Guard and moved to Fort Collins, Colorado in 2010, and that's where I really got my education in what good beer was, because that's before then, town. I drank a lot of Yingling and IPAs that I judged by IBU content. <laughs> uh, okay, so you were the yeah. target demographic for, for craft beer drinkers back then. Yeah. Oh, ab- absolutely. Okay, uh, it's your fault. All right, got it. Go ahead. Yeah, then I moved to Fort Collins and was like, wow, there's other kinds of beers than IPA and Yingling. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, and then I had some friends that like worked at Odell and like New Belgium um, and got to know a lot of the uh, small pubs around, around town and uh, started homebrewing and was applying to nursing schools and went into a hospital and freaked out because I didn't want to do that. And uh, right at that time, 
uh, Colorado State came out with the fermentation science program. So I transferred into that and was in the first round of graduates uh, in 2015. Wow. And then went to 10 Barrel Brewing out of college up in Bend and was a production brewer up there for like two and a half years. Yeah. Okay. Um, we were talking about that. That's the evil, yep. the evil part. Did yep. your, I can hear the hisses out there. <laughs> uh. Did your craft <laughs> friends like harass you a little bit about that? Like, bro, what are you doing? No, they're like, wow, I'm glad you found a job. Okay. Um, All right. And uh, yeah, it was like six months after the buyout happened. So I kind of got to see some of the changes. Like a lot of things got fixed. Uh, health insurance got better. Pay got better. Um, wow. They just had, you know, AB has really deep pockets. So they had, you know, a lot of money to do like cool things. Yeah. Um, so coming from like the employee perspective, that's, uh, you know, I, I don't have too many bad things to say. If I was like competing with them, uh, like distribution wise, you know, that's a whole other topic. Um, sure. But yeah. Uh, yeah, from there, I went down to Bishop, California with a pub brewer for about a year and a half. Um, and then from there, went to 5050 Brewing up in Truckee, where I was the head brewer. Yeah. And then COVID hit, and I was out looking for a job with like everyone else. And, uh, I got a job doing QA at Y East up in hood river. Okay. So uh, I did that for a little while and that was fun. Um, it just kind of was bad fit, uh, for what I, what I really wanted to do. And, uh, I kind of got lonely up there to be honest. Uh, (laughs) I had had one really good friend who was a winemaker up there, but she was gone for most of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I kind of wanted to move back down to the like Reno Tahoe, uh, east side of the sierra and yeah lead dog needed a head brewer so interviewed got the job and moved down uh exactly a year ago oh wow hey congrats uh, man. yeah thanks that, that's uh, a so lot of mo- here for that, a year. that's a lot of moving around i don't know if i could do that that takes a, yeah. i think it takes a certain uh fortified constitution or whatever you know what i mean to not just be like well there's no brewer jobs in my area so i guess i'm gonna work at starbucks yeah you, well you know, i, I I grew up in Ohio and like joined the Coast Guard and moved, had to do four moves for the Coast Guard in four and a half years. Yeah. And so I just kind of kept going and I'm sick of moving right now. I hope I never have to do it again. Bro, moving sucks, man. Anytime, once, once you hit 40, always pay for movers. That's it. Yeah. You know, yeah. But I'm sure you're, you know, you're you're like a experienced advanced age when it comes to moving. Yeah. Moving sucks. Nobody wants to do it. No, it's like the last like 10% of your stuff, it doesn't fit well into anything. So it just goes in a box and it's just a couple boxes of junk that yeah. takes forever to organize. And It um, sits around. Did you ever homebrew at all? Yeah. Yeah. I homebrewed for a couple of years uh, when I was in Colorado, when I was in college. Okay. Um, and that was fun. I made some really horrible, horrible beer. And uh, Yeah. Uh, the Absolutely. First, I, I had one of those Mr. Beer kits. Yes, dude. Yes. Those are the yeah. greatest, the greatest gateway to home brewing beer is mm-hmm. Mr. Beer because it's terrible objectively. It's just never really good. And mm-hmm. then, um, but if you're hooked on the smells and the process, you get sucked right into your local homebrew shop. Oh yeah. And, uh, in Fort Collins, there's an awesome homebrew shop, uh, called Hops and Berries. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, the owner was a brewer who, his wife moved to town and he couldn't really find a job, but, uh, you know, there was no homebrew shop. So he started a homebrew shop. And then 
ended up building a pub right next to it, Equinox. It's like right downtown. Um, spent spent a lot of time in there, and uh, nice. they let me go in and like clean kegs uh, when I was in school. When I was in the fermentation program, just to get some experience there. And uh, how nice of them! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was so excited. Like, oh, you're I gonna bet. let me clean kegs and. <laughs> yeah grub drains this is awesome <laughs> that is funny how how excited we get at at just putting our foot in the door of a field that we're interested in but mm-hmm. it's like such hard work cleaning kegs like i was doing that uh for more beer when i first started it's like the first thing you do is clean kegs mm-hmm. i was really excited about it but it sucked ass it was the worst yeah. thing in the world to do yeah it's terrible you cut 45 50 homebrew kegs you, you know it's like no nah, i don't want to but at Glock. the time, it's just it's just rose colored glasses, man. Yeah, I was just looking for something to put on resume and get some free beer out of it. Yeah, um, sounds like it worked, man. <laughs> yeah, so far so good. Yeah. So you wound up with Lead Dog, and uh, right about a year ago, so that's middle of the pandemic. I say that like mm-hmm. there was a there's like a an end forthcoming. Uh, how was the transitioning to a new place during a pandemic? Was that a little stressful on you? Or? Uh, yeah, yeah, they had a lot of. Uh, can placement, which was good. Uh, you know, it's 30 barrel brew house, um, you know, full can line and everything. Uh, so we didn't really keg anything until I would say April, you know, we'd pull four or five kegs off of each 30 barrel batch just to have in our tap rooms. And, you know, if the sales guys wanted any, but it was okay. pretty much all cans. Um, so that definitely kept us afloat. Um, yeah. Kept us going. I imagine that wasn't the, the, the case pre pandemic. I don't think so. Well, the, the lead dog started out uh, about five years ago and mm-hmm. it was a like 10 barrel pub system. And then the owner sold that to help pay for the production facility. And the production facility has been operational, I think about two and a half years. Okay. So most of it was during COVID um, was getting started and rolled right into COVID. That's amazing to me how, how these business owners can, just manage that. I don't know. It takes, it takes, yeah. uh, again, it just takes a certain kind of person. I don't think I could do that. I don't, I don't know what I would, I've never been in that mm-hmm. position or had that many lives in my hands as far as employees or how much, that much money to sink in there. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's pretty cool. And I wonder how maybe you can uh, help me figure it out a little bit, but is there any talk about, well, look, the, the pandemic is going to, the impact on the sales is probably going to wane at some point. Is there, mm-hmm. You know, how how do you shift to that or or how do you prepare for that is it like well now we have you know more more focus on cans but eventually it's going to pull back to draft so we shouldn't mm-hmm. push too much in cans or is there a strategy there or is it just ebb and flow uh it's just kind of ebb and flow uh you know we have good sales guys two good sales guys that you know we'll, whenever we transfer a beer over we just shoot them like they have an idea of what they want for the breakdown but we shoot them the yield and they give us like the full breakdown on, you know, what they want packaged. And like when California went back into mask mode, uh, you know, we just kind of planned for that. Like, well, probably won't do as many kegs. So we'll dial those okay. back a little bit. And um, a lot of thinking on your foot. I, I guess I never realized like yeah. the, the, the correlation between what your sales guys are telling you and then what you're packaging. I, I, I don't know mm-hmm. why I always figured like you guys would just plan for that. Like, okay, well you have uh, you know, five pallets of this go sell it. And that's, um, mm-hmm. Is that normal? I th- I think so. Uh, I mean, we're so new still that we don't have historicals to go back and look at uh, because most of the production was during COVID. Okay. So it's okay. 
kind of a week by week basis. Um, you know, now that we, you know, I, we work with Mammoth a lot. They've been around for like 25 years or something. They have yeah. really good historicals that they can kind of base their packaging breakdowns on. Okay. Um, yeah. We but love yeah, we're, we try to be super nimble with it. And It sounds like it's what you got to do, especially that's how you yeah. survive, I guess. I mean, that's how people mm-hmm. are. Yeah. We love the people at Mammoth, man. The, uh, that Mammoth Beer Fest, the Mammoth Brews and Blues, I think is what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Palooza Palooza. There you go. Yeah. That thing rocks, man. We had, we awesome. went up there a few years ago and did a video that slapped. That was a great, great trip. And actually we burnt, that's when we burned our brakes, our brakes in the RV caught on fire coming Whoa. down one of the grades because Justin, uh-huh. um, didn't, I guess, plan his route properly. Uh-huh. <laughs> Started our brakes literally caught on fire. We were on the side of the road for two hours throwing rocks at oh, Jesus. Yeah, it was yeah. great. And then we, <laughs> so then we ended up having to stay in the back of the, there's a mechanic shop, I think right on the main drag, like right down the same street as the brewery as mammoth mm-hmm. we just slept there for two days <laughs> when we were doing the thing wow. saw bears like in oh, the parking yeah. lot it was rad i don't know it's a really fun uh frightening experience yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean so mm-hmm. i read a couple things number one um that the the founder ryan i forget his last name he was mm-hmm. 21 when he started this brewery yeah he got out of college i don't believe and- was like I'm going to start a brewery and started a brewery. Yeah, I started a brew pub. Jeez, man, I I don't even know what I was doing at 21. I was definitely still in junior college. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was making not the best life decisions, you know, when I was 21. Like, yeah. So, um, but yeah, he he left us in over the summer. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so Mammoth Brewing bought us. They needed. Uh, a place to make their beer because you know as you saw they have a pretty small hub system wedged in yeah in uh, their restaurant um and initially it was uh they approached us about uh contract brewing uh but you know after crunching the numbers it just made more sense for them to to buy us out and i think ryan was pretty ready at that point it was a stressful couple years um and yeah they've Sold out. So that happened uh, mid-April, and all right, yeah, we've been cranking out Mammoth beer since. So everything uh, that comes out of a Mammoth can that's in a can for Mammoth, uh, we brew here in Sparks. Oh, okay, excellent. Yeah. What is it about you and like wherever you go, mergers happen? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it just kind of I just makes sense. I mean, there's no craft cell phones out there. There's no craft cars. Yeah, you know, I think it's uh, you know I'm not the most business savvy person but uh it kind of makes sense from a production standpoint and reach a bigger audience yeah. you know diversify your portfolio fill in some gaps um in yeah. their case it was cheaper than building a 30 or 50 barrel brew house you know which is sort of amazing to me you know the fact yeah. that like you know you can just take over you know and take over i don't mean like hostile but you know take over yeah. business operations you know buy another company merge another company however you want to put it and like that's just cheaper to absorb than to say, okay, here's a building, let's get tanks, let's do all this stuff. And I'm sure you know some of it has to mm-hmm. do with the supply chain issues or whatever. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I, I I think that's pretty cool. You know, you guys are keeping in the craft, and uh, it sounds like they could use your production uh, capacity. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you had capacity. That's the other side of it. You had enough room to accommodate their beers, and uh, it sounds like it's working out. Yeah, so far, uh, you know. We do more uh, like hazy milkshake, 
pastry boys, like the hype styles. Uh-huh. And uh, Mammoth says more of like the traditional kind of basic, like IPA, pale ale, Kolsch, Pilsner. Um, so they complement each other pretty well. Yeah. See, here you are. You're still you're still influencing the weird trends that I'm trying to get rid of. I, mean, I don't understand <laughs> it. <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, uh, normally in the first segment, I do start with a beer. And the only beer that I thought would, would work in the first segment is the Fest beer. Mm-hmm. And it's called... Uh, I think it's just called Fest beer. It's called Fest beer. Okay. Oh, there's, there's like words. In, uh, I, I don't know if it's Latin at the bottom or whatever, but... Uh, Oh, it's German. So that's German. Uh, true lager in German. True lager. Why, see, this is how stupid I am. It's a fest beer. It's a German style beer. Why would why would it be in Latin? Why would there be Latin right? Of course, it's going to be German, right? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, uh, tell me a little bit about the fest beer, man. It's it's very very delicious, and it sounds like it's sort of a step away from what you normally do if you're doing hazies and pastries and stuff like that. Yeah. So uh, the old owner Ryan had bought a sixty barrel lagering tank from. I think Bear Republic. Okay. Uh, don't quote me on that. And it's on so record now, dude. Be- yeah, it's on the internet. It has to be true. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and uh, so this is the first beer that we did out of it. Um, and so we're going to do like a whole lager series. Uh, and it's the timing worked out to do an Oktoberfest. Um, and we wanted to call it Best Beer. So that way we could sell it after October. Um, Makes sense. And yeah, we were going for a little bit less sweet, a little drier, a little more drinkable. The goal is to, uh, you know, be able to drink it by the liter, right? Right. Um, and, you know, the sweeter it is, I think the less refreshing it, it tends to be. Agreed. Um, and we just wanted to have, you know, that bread crust characteristics, but they'll be pretty light, pretty drinkable, mid uh, five ABV, I think it's five four five five or something uh can says five six oh five six so you're Um, right there you're you're close enough man close enough close enough for government homebrewer math it's fine yeah um and yeah so fermented it and then stuck it in a lager tank for a month and a half before we needed to release it um and then every beer in the series we're gonna do four or five beers a year in the series and we're gonna do two to two and a half months of lager time oh, yeah. and not use any biofine um we'll run it through our centrifuge transferring it in but other okay. than that we just want everything to settle like naturally we can't do decoction mashing in our brew house unfortunately um but we want to try to make it as traditional as possible i mean you could it would just take you know bucket at oh, a time a, a camp chef stove you got it you know <laughs> yeah know. yeah yeah, it's it's very good. It's very complex. Also, you got that the the uh, the yeast, you know, esters with mm-hmm. uh, you know the, the malt. It's very it's very rich and and not just one dimensional. Sometimes these things can can be that way with people who don't mm-hmm. really either fully understand the style or maybe they don't care or whatever. What kind of yeast are you using on this? We used uh, Vine Stefaner strain from White Labs. Okay. It's a good strain. Um, it's a perfect strain. And then the the malt bill was a lot of Munich malt, uh, a little Kara Munich. I think a little bit of Pilsner in there. Okay. Um, I think a little bit of Munich too, but mostly Munich. That smells great. Yeah, this is uh, this is very good. This is easily drink by the liter. Thanks. Yeah, it's been it's been uh, the staff's go to for for a while. Our Sort of, I'm going to classify these as darker loggers, but maybe bigger loggers is a different, uh, mm-hmm. a different word. Are are these 
these go over well in the area? Uh, yes and no. Okay. Um, you know, doing an Oktoberfest is kind of a good starting point for us because we've never really done loggers before i think they did an oktoberfest last year mm-hmm. but um it's definitely new for us and you know we do a lot of like the hype styles uh so dipping our toes into the logger game and it is definitely kind of a challenge i think more for the sales guys they have to go out and sling it um <laughs> the true test will be uh we, we have a doppelbock coming out in the beginning of december so oh, that'll wow. that'll be a little better uh idea of what what we can and can't sell uh uh-huh. but luckily it does it does pretty good um you know it took it was a full 60 barrels and we're about out so you know it took about two months and so uh, wow two months for almost 60 barrels i think that's pretty good i don't yeah, imagine yeah. reno sparks area to be you know i don't know maybe this maybe this is sounds like an asshole thing to say but like super interested in german style loggers yeah, we, we actually vibe. have a, a little lager brewery in town that's really good. Really? Um, yeah, yeah, they do a killer uh, Pilsner and Black Lager. Those, okay. Uh, those are, they're always, he also has a, a hazy on the board. Of course. You've got to keep the lights on. <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, you know, Reno has a better beer scene than most people would imagine. We have a little uh, sour, we have a sour brewery. Wow. Yeah, well, um, imbibe. They do. They do good beers. You know, there's some lagers, some barrel sours, couple well, sours. To be fair, I haven't um, been to Reno in like 20 years, but uh, but like I was saying beforehand, yeah. that's sort of what the romanticism of Reno. It sort of is, mm-hmm. you know, like a like a dive bar, but it's not. There's a lot yeah. going on in Reno. Well, there's a lot of those, but yeah, it's, that's uh, what I like about it, honestly. Yeah, yeah. This is great. This is a really good fest beer, man. Yeah, like I said, the uh, the 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 yeast esters and, and phenols are great. They did a very good job with that. I really like that. So you're doing a doppelbach also. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's uh, yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be big too. Anything else in the spring summer that you guys are are planning ahead, logger wise? Yeah, we're gonna do after the doppelbach of Vienna, and we're uh, we're gonna do a collab with Pigeon Head, that's our local logger brewery. Okay, I think I've. Sounds familiar, but maybe I'm thinking um, of something else. And then after that, I think we're going to do a Dunkel. Um, and uh, the Doppelbach and the Dunkel are going to be collabs with Mammoth. Okay, sure. Brewing. Makes sense. Um, I don't know if we're allowed to call it a collab because it's technically the same company, but they're <laughs> four hours away, so it's far enough to where yeah. I think it counts. Yeah. Sure, man. Uh, yeah, we'll do a bo- Bohemian Pilsner for a summer release, and then okay. back to the Oktoberfest. Nice. And just keep it going. Any, anything else? You doing like a maybe Mexican lager train or, or anything uh, like that? Seems to be pretty not that will go through the lager tank. So all these okay. beers are going to spend two to two and a half months in uh, in our lagering tank. Yeah. I feel like you got to do it, especially with, with beers yeah. like this, you know? Yeah. We do a, a, a Italian Pilsner every once in a while. Oh, okay. Um, it's great. It's my new favorite beer style. <laughs> it is good. I don't see too many of them. I think I may, maybe no. can count on one no. hand, even at like beer festivals when those mm-hmm. used to happen. When I used to go to those. You don't see them anywhere, really. Ah, there should be more. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> All right, Thomas. Well, let's tell you what. Let's take a quick break, and we'll come back and we'll jump into the other beers, and we'll uh, we'll talk some IPAs, and uh, we have um, a peanut butter stout that I'm actually I've never had a peanut butter stout before. I know they're out there, never even come across one, so I'm sort of excited to try that one. To be completely okay. honest with you. Um, so cool. We'll, Sounds good. Yeah. So we'll do that. So hang on just a second. 
It's the session, everyone. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Brewing Network. Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. All right, thanks for hanging on, everyone. It's the session. We're back with Lead Dog Brewing. We got Thomas on the line here. Thomas, I'm going to jump into, um, I guess, the Citrus Solo. Okay. Because the other one is uh, it's too bright. Because uh, the other one's a double or whatever. There you go. That's a good mm-hmm. one. Um, and then while I pour this, I was thinking about uh, talking about the merger and everything like that. And I and I I read um, a little article about it that you're doing so many numbers, you're doing so much growth that uh, when the merger happened, you didn't have to lay anybody off. In fact, you've actually increased employee count by like I want to say it was like twelve or twenty percent or something like that. Yeah, there's definitely some some growth because we went from you know filling fermenters halfway, you know, doing single batches to this summer we maxed out our production capacity so we were, we were able to went from doing you know packaging i don't know around 100 barrels a week to 240 barrels a week kind of overnight um, you know there was some turnover uh you know last spring with i think that was all before the merger mm-hmm. um happened with some of the production staff and then i think some of the bar staff there was some turnover there um, but I did hear, I went down to, uh, there, we have a homebrew shop around the corner and I was down chatting with those guys and, uh, you know, they're the, one of the homebrew clubs was there and, you know, saying how everybody was laid off. The entire staff was let go. Oh, you got town, you got townie rumors. Okay. Let's hear. Oh it. yeah. Um, everyone was laid off. Just the everyone entire... was laid off, uh, okay. when they bought it. And then, uh, that big you know, mammoth conglomerate mammoth came in and changed all the recipes and everything is different now. And oh, all the Lord. beer tastes different. And I'm like, well, I don't know. We haven't changed a single recipe in you know, the past seven months. So, <laughs> uh, well, you're clearly wrong. I mean, what do you know, Thomas? You know, uh, it's true. It's yeah, very true. absolutely. <laughs> it's funny because, you know, I don't know. Craft beer fans, myself, probably on the top of the list are very protective about shit. We don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, and then there's a there's a perceived change of like, mm-hmm. well, this has to be different now because it's not the same thing that I've known. So something's different. When I taste this beer, I'm already going to know that. Well, I know it's different because it's not only yeah. the same people. So, yeah. I, so it, you know what I mean? Like it can't be my palate misremembering or what I'm eating with the beer. It has to be. There's a conspiracy theory behind every every malt of grain or grain of malt. Yeah. yeah. And and I think a lot of people, you know, they, they just want their local breweries that they like to succeed. And it's like a red flag, you know, when uh, they get bought up or they merge with somebody yeah. um, because, you know, that's the company they like. It's like the product they like. They like the employees there. And, you know, they're just worried that it's going to change for the negative. Mm-hmm. Um, even though, I mean, I have friends in the industry that work for other, you know, sell out breweries and you know (laughs) usually when when the brewery when breweries merge it's positive for one the beer because you you know there's more money to do more quality control Mm -hmm. you know either start a lab or you know add lab equipment or hire you know an actual lab scientist um and you know you get better equipment you can fix things just because there's you know usually a little bigger budget um health insurance gets a little better. 
<laughs> or offered for the first time, you know, in yeah. some cases pay gets a little better. So, you know, from like an employee standpoint, it's usually for the better. You know, I have heard of places, you know, moving all of their production elsewhere and, you know, some people get laid off, which sucks for everybody. Like, I, sure. you know, um, I've been laid off before. I've been fired before. Like it sucks, you know, and nobody likes losing their job. No. Yeah, Even it's if a- it's like uh, some, I got fired in high school and it was some stupid <laughs> job and it was, you know, it still sucks. I didn't care about the job and I hated the job, but it still sucks, you know? Yeah, absolutely, getting, man. Getting fired. Um, I feel like you've done something wrong and it's like, it's not really yeah, usually the case. I mean, I don't know. Smoking pot yeah. in the walk-in probably isn't a good thing, but. Right, right. Yeah. You know, not good <laughs> business. Yeah, that is, it is uh, interesting. And I wonder if it's because, you know, when, when brewery started to be bought out, it was, it was, well, at least when we heard about it, it was from the big guys, from AB, from mm-hmm. you know Miller Coors or whatever, and that's never good, especially if you're if you're tied into the craft beer side of like how hard it is to compete as a craft brewer against big breweries like that and sort of yeah. tactics that it's all in the news. I mean, you know, <laughs> AB has been sued a, a couple times for their distribution and nonsense, uh, and rightly so. And yeah, that's what people should fair. really be focusing is right. the distribution side of things. It's not the brewing side. It's you know. Yeah. Your local brewery wants to sell its cans and they're competing. They have to go through a Bud House or a Coors House. And they're just a number. They're a name on a list of 50 other breweries, um, you know, all fighting for that one one uh, shelf space. And, you know, what, what incentives can, you know, some of these other breweries offer that, you know, you can't afford to do, you know? Yeah. But I, I think now, especially with the, the pandemic, uh, you know, you do see a lot of small breweries merging together or mm-hmm. either like mid-tier, mid-sized conglomerates, I guess, or groups of companies maybe absorbing another brewery here or there or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that's as big of a deal as, you know, AB, here's AB snatching another brewery or here's like a big international, here's Heineken snatching a brewery or, or you know, those kinds of mm-hmm. things, I think. And so I, I wonder if, if we get nervous about our local place being bought up or merged with another brewery because we, we've heard so many horror stories, true or untrue, it doesn't matter anymore, mm-hmm. about like uh, Heineken or AB picking up people and go, well, this, the Goose Island is not the same. I hear that. I still hear that. Goose yeah. Island IP well, just isn't the same anymore. I'm like, but that was like 15 years ago, dude. You should let it yeah. go. You should get over it. Yeah, it shouldn't be the same. I mean, you should be continually staying, trying to stay current and stay okay. relevant with your recipes and your beer, right? Bro, that's a that's um, a, actually a very good a good counter to that. I've never heard that that as a counter argument. Like it should be different. You sh- things should change. Yeah, breweries that have the same beer that made them super popular back in 2012, like they're not doing well these days. You know? Yeah. Um, they're Except- you know planning second locations and you know having to back out of them and not good all that all that stuff and i'm I'm not on social media much these days but good um i'm just wondering oh yeah it's toxic but uh you know with the new belgium going to kieran because i mean they were like the forefront of employee ownership and Mm -hmm. craft everything um and then you know they they sold to and that was the employees voted for that that wasn't like the boardroom I mean, yeah. the, the employees voted to sell. Um, so I wonder what sort of uh, blowback they've gotten. I, I, I remember because I talked about it a couple times on the show. It was it was heavy because especially because uh, Kieran is Lion owned by Lion or something, I think, also. And then they were 
giving money to like the military in Myanmar or something yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah Which is not that. a good look for a hippie brewery no. to be involved in like this conflict. But really? then that that yeah, group it, just bought friggin' bells. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you uh, luckily the the Myanmar stuff has sort of, you know, logged out of the of the news cycle, so I don't think they're getting it as heavy as New Belgium has, but that's the part to me where I don't I don't get where where you know if, if your brewery is like really conscientious about marketing their lifestyle or their thing, and then you sell to like a foreign company, I mean, a foreign company, a bigger company, it does seem mm-hmm. a little weird to me. But um, mm-hmm. like two locals coming together, or you know, just I just I don't it doesn't bother me, it doesn't bother yeah. me like it normally would. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. So far, it's been a happy merger. I mean, the Mammoth guys are great to work with. They're super easy to work with. And- yeah, Mammoth, cool. We, we, we were up there, man. We we got treated like kings. So bless mm-hmm. the Mammoth people for sure. You have my blessing, is what I'm saying. Thomas. <laughs> just let everybody know at the next meeting. Citra Solo, tell me about Citra Solo, please. Uh, so this is our flagship IPA, like West Coast style, um, all Citra hops, as the name implies. Um. And yeah, uh, I, I don't really, I don't know what else to say about it. You know, <laughs> man, like, that's it. <laughs> you know, we're trying to keep it, you know, we just did some selection on Citra hops. Um, okay. It honestly, I used to really not like Citra hops uh, because, you know, we were getting Citra on the open market and it, it took really this beer for me to really, really like Citra hops. Um, I'm not a big IPA drinker, you know, in my personal life. And uh, so I kind of tended to, stay away from it but yeah i i didn't realize what a huge difference uh selection makes like being able to select your hops um in, instead of just getting like the caddy astringent astringent hop characteristics you know we can get more like bright citrus like to me this beer tastes like uh like orange rind like it smells or a uh, grapefruit rind yeah um like super citrusy kind of bright yeah, so a couple things. Hop selection, I have heard, it sort of is a make or break thing, but it, I guess it's hard for me having never really done it from a standpoint of, like, look, I've done the song and dance where you take the hops and you rub them and you go, and you sniff, mm-hmm. sniff them and you're like, yeah, this this smells great. But I've never had to then use those for the rest of the year. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So I I, I think I'm missing a, a, a portion of that experience about why it and- matters so much. And just having the, because I think, I think they sent us four or five different uh, crop uh, samples mm-hmm. and trying them next to each other. I mean, you could see a this huge difference, you know, one was, you know, a lot of hay and grass. Um, and then some were like really pungent, um, kind of like overripe fruit. Uh, some were just bright citrus. Um, so even just seeing it next to each other, I was like, oh, holy shit. Yeah, this is. <laughs> It's a real thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Um, you know what? I, I'm, you said you're not a, a, an IPA drinker in your, in your real life. What, are you, what kind of styles do you gravitate towards? Uh, I like Brett beers and lagers. Okay. I could deal with um, that. Lagers, man, you can't, you can't, you can't yeah. beat a lager. Um, I'm the same way. I, I, don't, I don't really vibe well with IPA unless it has the word celebration in it and it comes from Sierra uh-huh. Nevada. That's it. Mm-hmm. But this beer is good. And I don't, I I feel weird saying that because I've sort of been saying it, I don't know, not a lot, but uh, I've I've said it more often than I want to about, about IPAs. But this one, I I get your like grapefruit 
rind, but it's like a candied grapefruit rind. Mm-hmm. There's a sweetness to it in the body that I sort that I think it, it changes oh, it changes the flavor. What, that's a stupid thing to say. Don't say that. Um, it sort of elevates the body a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah, that, we're, go ahead. Oh yeah, yeah. We're uh, this is like the OG recipe, but it's I feel like it's more balanced. It, it it has a little more balance to it than you know. Uh, some of the other West Coast that out there that are just more like bitter driven and yes, super dry. Yeah, and I would I would I would have a hard time calling it a West Coast IPA. And again, I'm just mm-hmm. a guy who sits in his house all day. Like I don't know anything from anything, but because of the the the, I mean, I've sort of been or you know, I've been doing this since mm-hmm. 2005, so I've I've seen the sort of rise and and plateau of the West Coast IPA. And for me, West Coast IPA is like single malt, super fucking bitter really hoppy flavor and then that's just kind of it but this has a lot of dimension it's almost like like a late 90s ipa but Mm -hmm. more bitter and less sweet but there is still that that residual sweetness at the end there that matches really well with the citron i don't really have an opinion on citra too much you know i Mm -hmm. just it's hard for me hop flavors are sort of hard for me i'm a a fucking stout and lager guy like i don't know Mm -hmm. you know what i mean what are the what's the malt bill in this? Did you already tell me? Hero for the base, Vienna, a little Munich too. Okay, yeah, and yeah, yeah. And then like some dextrin in there. Okay, I feel like uh, there's there's definitely like higher caramel, <laughs> higher than two row, mm-hmm. and I think that works really well for a beer like this. I think you guys have mm-hmm. have done this really well because this is yeah, an IPA that I would not because I'll go to a bar. Well, you know when that was a thing for me. Um, and I'll, you know, I look by ABV and I look by style, you know, I'm a low ABV guy. So the ABV would be like, ah, I don't know. But if I had nothing else, to, this is going to sound like an insult. Here's my thing, mm-hmm. Thomas, is I, I tend to say shit that sounds like insult, but it's not. Mm-hmm. So hopefully you can understand that. But I would, I would drink this beer. I would order this beer and be like, okay, look, I know it's almost, you know, 6.4%, which isn't bad for an IPA, honestly. I would be, and I would be happy with it mm-hmm. as an IPA, which I would never do ever. Yeah, I'm not a big I, I I don't really ever drink IPAs, but I usually have one or two like kicking around in my fridge and you know, after I've drank all the Pilsners and <laughs> Oktoberfest and Hellas's, I'm like, Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll drink one of these and so <laughs> I I think you might I think you might have uh first of all, I think you might have confused my life with yours for a second. But I feel like uh, maybe I should if a beer can get me to relax on the IPA band that I have in my head again, unless it's celebration, it would, it would be one of these. I really, Sweet. I genuinely enjoyed the drinking this beer. Sweet. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, when I moved, I moved from Fort Collins where you could go to the store and be like, all right, I want a Saison. What six different Saisons do I choose from to Bend, Oregon, where, you know, you go to a bar, if they have 15 taps, 13 are IPAs, one's a Coors Light and one is a Black Beat Porter from Deschutes. And so it really burned me out on all things IPA, uh, all things hoppy. And now, yeah. you know, I like pale ales a lot, but, you know, they're hard to go between, kind of. They um, really are, man. What is that about? Uh, I mean, you you make beer for a living, for God's sake. What is that about about certain styles? I don't know. I feel like the, like pale ale, for example, isn't really a broad style, but mm-hmm. the interpretations of pale ale can be very, very broad. And I, I guess I don't, um, 
I was just more of a commentary, I guess, on it. Rather than I don't know. I mean, Dale's Pale Ale is like six percent. Yeah, I know, and you know, six honestly, and a half like or something. Yeah, and that's one of the OGs, and I, I, I drank it once or twice, and it was, it was good, but it was too much for me. Yeah, well, like all it. their beers are like they make really. I, I haven't had their beer in a long since I left Colorado, but I did an internship there when I was in school um, nice. for the summer, and like pulling beer out of the employee beer pile. Uh, it might be like a seven, eight percent beer that drank like a six percent beer. Um, wow! I just felt like that was their stick. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what they're making now, but uh, it was dangerous. Their all their beers were really smooth, but yep. just super fucking boozy. And well, and I think not- that was the the early mid two thousands. Honestly, you know, you had the yeah. IBA chase, and you also had the the ABV chase as well. Mm-hmm. And then you're trying to hide the ABV. Mm-hmm. I feel, sense. in my opinion, right. And so you have these beers that are like, how can we make this drink like a 6% but be 8% or 9% or whatever? You know, that was sort of whenever yeah. we give that compliment out in the, you know, mid-2000s or whatever, it's always like, yeah, you know, we're trying to do this thing or whatever. But I would imagine everyone is sort of transitioning to lagers or will be soon, at least introducing mm-hmm. one or two. Uh, I wouldn't say dropping the ABV on their flagships because there are people who who still want that. I mean, I have friends mm-hmm. who literally just go by ABV like, oh, that's higher a that's a higher IPA than this one by a half a percent. So I'll just go with that IPA. Mm-hmm. All right. I mean, cool. Whatever you want to do, but, uh, I think we're all just getting older. Like all yeah. the people that kind of came up, started drinking in you know, the two thousands and now we're like, God, I'm like, I'm in my thirties. I can't do that. Can't do it anymore, bro. <laughs> it hurts. Yeah. That's why I'm, I'm sort of all in on this non-alcoholic train. Yeah, I, think yeah, it's I cool. wrote that stuff down. I'm gonna I'm gonna look for it around Reno. And you should, man. Shot. Yeah, the the Lagunitas IPNA. Um, it's okay if you like mm-hmm. the if you like the hop water or the hoppy refresher or whatever. You'll like the flavor, but for me, and again, I don't know if it's how it was treated over, but it's a little grassy. But that's fine. I mean, a lot of people like that in IPA. Um, it's good. The Heineken 0.0. That's the one you want if you like lagers and you don't want to get you know drunk <laughs> uh mm-hmm. yeah heineken double zero but i was at um bevmo the other day and um there are a lot more non-alcoholic craft beers than i than i ever really knew about i had a weird time i just had a weird uncomfortable moment in the corner of, <laughs> of bevmo going i don't you know old milwaukee where am i yeah old milwaukee have they have a uh a non-alcoholic beer Bush apparently Whoa. had a non-alcoholic, but yeah. But and if it was in a, here's the thing: if it was in a six pack, I would have picked some up because I like an mm-hmm. old Milwaukee. It, it has a good, you know, it's kind of a sweeter thing. Um, but I, I don't think I could do a twelve rack. There's, that that's too much. It's too much of a commitment yeah. for me as I'm holding yeah. the twelve of uh, Heineken zero point zero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel Perfect. like the, the checkout lady was a little thought I was a little confused because I had that and then I had like some East Brother oatmeal stout and some like local i don't know mm-hmm. <laughs> a bunch of weird shit well you know as like the the i think more people start doing seltzers the they like i I've, i haven't ever done it or tried it but i think there's like a filter out there where you can filter out the alcohol out of the beer and then it just leaves the beer um so like you have two streams you have two uh product streams out of that so you can like make your seltzer uh, uh-huh. or like an rtd even um out of your alcohol stream and then you have all the leftover stuff from the beer it filters out the alcohol yeah i can't remember 
what kind of filtration it is. Uh, magic filtration. Magic. It's yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, that's okay. Wild. Yeah. Because I know there's a few different ways to do it. I imagine it's like some sort of enzyme related. Mm-hmm. But then you're talking changing flavors and, you know, I don't know, you got to brew around that, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I, I when I took the IBD, I learned it and then instantly forgot it. So I was like, I'm never gonna fucking do this. Like, <laughs> yeah, who, who does that? You know. What do you think now? Is yeah, not alcoholics yeah, gonna be? You I know, mean, it could. Yeah, it could. I mean, if it's a big brewery, you know, I'd say forty, fifty barrels and up. And if they want to get serious about like making NA beers and seltzers, then yeah. I mean, for you, for you guys. Oh, for us? Is that a market you would ever jump into? It seems like it's. A, uh, it seems like it was seltzer, like you know, five years ago. It seems we, to be increasing rapidly. Mammoth does a seltzer. They do some seltzers, but not a ton. We just did uh, a, our first seltzer, uh, just a small batch, like fifteen barrels. Uh, we did a twelve percent, like imperial <laughs> seltzer, because uh, a local one of the local bars wanted. <gasps> does like a tap takeover okay and it's uh it's called jupiter fest and it's everything is 10 percent and up and i got the email God. it made it through the email chain down to me like a week and a half before and i was like well shit i can't do anything but we have a bunch of dextrose and like some uh distillers yeast like, well let's just do like a 12 percent seltzer <laughs> so we did uh uh like a sex on the beach flavoring okay. so it's called self, self on the beach um God. and it's boozy. It tastes like a cocktail. Uh, we recommend people serve it over ice. Yeah. And we put it in, uh, you know, some distributors wanted it in 19 twos. So we put it in some 19 twos and good luck to whoever drinks one of those, man. Wow. Yeah. So we'll see. We're, we're releasing it this week and we'll see. We'll see if it sells. I mean, if it's a hit, then we would do another one. If not, you know, only a 15 barrel batch. It happened. It's cheap to make. It's yeah. just wa- it's sugar water and like a little uh, fruit puree. Yeah. And like some tank time, but who cares? Yeah. I, we don't really use our 15 barrel tanks all that often. Uh, so, <laughs> but God. yeah, self on the beach. It's, it's boozy. Okay. It'll it sounds like it. Yeah. God. Yeah. All right. Next beer is Acropolis, which, uh, yep. you know, we're getting, getting into the hype zone a get, little bit. Get into the hype zone. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, a swole Zeus, which I imagine you use my my pictures on the internet to model mm-hmm. it after. Naturally, yeah. Uh, Acropolis is a let's say northeast style double IPA. Northeast, I imagine, is like New England style because I mean it's mm-hmm. hazy. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's a it's a hazy boy with. Uh, I think it's uh, I don't have the recipe in front of me, but mostly mosaic hop in it. I think a little amarillo in the dry hop. Um, okay. And uh, yeah, we just released this last week, I think, in our in our tap room and got it out. So it was uh, one of the fresher beers we had, one of the fresher hazies. And I want to send you out a hazy because we do do a lot of like hazy IPAs. Um, sure. Uh, we have a we try to do like small batches and then do more of them mm-hmm. just to get like more variety and try to keep it fresh because you know after it's a month old, two month old, then you know, the hop character just drops right off of it. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, we are going to start doing uh, some fun things in our brew house. We're going to start cold pooling. So cold, what's uh, cold pooling. Yeah. So from the boil kettle to the whirlpool, we're going to run the wort through our heat exchanger and cool it down to 180 degrees. 
That way it stays sterile, but it's not as hot. So you just keep a little bit more of those oh, I uh, get it. aromatic compounds. Okay. So it's not a whirlpool. Um, it's a cold pool. It's a cold pool. Did you yeah. make that up? Did you guys make that up? That name? No, no, okay. no. That's the thing. out there. But it'd be a good hmm. beer name to work in. It really would. That should be your yeah. first uh, cold pooling. Okay. So you're bringing it down to 180, then going into your whirlpool. Mm-hmm. And so you can do your whirlpool additions at 180. Mm-hmm. Yep. All okay. the tip out there for all the home brewers. It's how you get, you get more juiciness out of it. Really? Um, okay. I've, I mean, I guess, you know, there's a difference between, you know, two, what, 210 or 212 and 180. I mean, I guess, yeah. Yeah. Right. I don't know. I've we've never tried it. I've never tried it. Uh, so we're you give it a shot. Uh, yeah, we're brewing our fifth anniversary beer here soon, so it's going to be wow. hazy double IPA, double dry hop IPA. We're going full okay hazy hype mode for yes, it. Yes, you uh, got to do it. I guess right. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. want it to sell. Uh, so I don't. I don't have like you know the only experience I have with these beers is is on these shows, and mm-hmm. I don't my my vocabulary is a little off for some of these beers mm-hmm. what what am i can you help me describe this beer to people who actually know what they're talking about yeah it's uh like a little fuller mouthfeel we're going for that kind of pillowy uh full mouthfeel um and then it's just not as bitter as you know a normal ipa and i feel like that's why a lot of people like hazy IPAs is they're not as bitter. Yeah. But you still get all that like awesome West coast hop and New Zealand hop aroma out of it. Or uh, like just fruit bombs, you know, tropical citrus fruit bombs. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And they're just more drinkable because they're not as bitter. Right. And you know, look, I've, I've gone on record ranting about I, uh, hazy IPAs and hazy beers in general, especially when you start coming into pale ales and lagers and mm-hmm. stuff. I just yeah, I don't want to deal with it. But my whole thing is like, if you like IPAs and drink an IPA, but if yeah. a hazy IPA, I don't think should be cl- classified as an IPA, but now it's a whole style. So my rant is irrelevant, but, but yeah, oh, it's, it's like the style, you know, I know. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, this definitely hits yeah. all those points. It's definitely pillowy and round. I do like the aroma. That's the thing about these beers is they are very inviting. If you have it, mm-hmm. you know, if you have it covered up, mm-hmm. <laughs> like a red solo yeah. cup and you can just smell it. Um, they are very, very inviting. They're very uh, fruit forward, uh, a little bit of, um, I want to say grassy, but I don't mean grassy. I mean, more floral, I guess is what I mean. Like actual like floral mm-hmm. hops. Yeah. They always smell great. So you said there's mosaic. Mosaic and Amarillo in the dry hop. And then uh, in the brew house, uh, there's a third hop in there. Maybe some Simcoe. Mm. I I can't remember off the top of my head. But I feel like those are like just your standard run-of-the-mill IPA hops, like the fan hops. Okay. Um, I imagine hazy IPAs go over pretty well out there. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, There's another brewery in town that they make a shitload of hazy IPAs. (laughs) That's like what they're known for. And I think... I think they're the biggest, uh, well, it's Nevada. So it's a little, little lower of a bar, but I think they're the biggest brewery in Nevada. And I think we're second at, you know, 12,000 barrels a year. So we're not, Nevada's not a big brewery state yet. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's getting there though. It sounds like it's getting there. I mean, there's like two cities pretty much. So <laughs> yeah, like Vegas and Reno and yeah, maybe Carson, smaller. but eh, yeah. you know, even then Carson city isn't, it should just be Reno. Hey, yeah. It's, as long as no one here hears me say that here, like, yeah, it's basically all Reno. <laughs> oh, I love it, man. 
Okay, well, I like this beer. It's a hazy, hazy uh, IPA. It's a yeah. hazy double IPA, man. What do you uh, What do you expect? It, it it definitely ticks all the boxes for that. Mm-hmm. You know, you got that pillowy mouthfeel. You got the the malt. Is you know, there's sweetness there to it. It's not super dry at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do a little it's higher a mash IPA temp we than want. we would for uh, like a uh, just clear IPA. Mm-hmm. You know, just mm-hmm. give it that little bit of that sweetness. And it's a nice uh, orange rind and. Mm-hmm. What I do is I like to find like the weirdest, most bizarre, you know, uh, descriptors. But it's like those big, the big fucking oranges, you know, like, oh, like, just, like the Valencia. Yeah, like they're huge yeah. and they're almost too ripe to peel. Mm-hmm. That's the juice that I that's the the, the peel um, citrus oil that I get, you know, coming from this. It's like that kind of style where it's Ooh, like, that's good. That's I, good. That's deep. I don't know. Yeah, I, I just <laughs> I got a gift. I'm a super taster, Thomas. I don't know if you knew that. I'm classified myself as a super taster. I'm going to, I was going to be on the X-Men, but uh, they wouldn't, you know, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, it's um, like an alternate. Yeah, you know. <laughs> that's right. I'm a backup, dude. I'm a DH for Wolverine. Whenever he can't uh, perform, I come in and try to taste the shit out of things and blow people's minds, and they go, what? Weird, and they can't what? fight. Yeah. Um, good beer. I like it. Great, thanks. I like it. It's very balanced, and it's very, uh, it's not leaning one way or the other. You know, sometimes these can get chalky. That's not chalky. The hop flavor comes all the way through. The aromatics are nice. If you're looking for a a double hazy IPA, this is exactly what I would imagine you would want. Yeah, that's what we're going for. Just your standard double hazy IPA. Standard stuff, man. I like it. All right, we're going to take a quick break, everybody. We're going to come back and we're going to try a peanut butter stout and we're going to try an apricot milkshake sour, neither of which I've had before. So this is going to be be a good time. Hang on, everybody. (laughs) This is Lead Dog Brewing here on the session. We'll be right back. going to try a couple beers like i said that i've never had before um i'm imagining the uh, apricot milkshake sour would be would be first in this tasting right thomas that's what i would do okay i've never uttered those words before or that that sentence <laughs> i'm about to drink an apricot milkshake sour. uh this is called savage and this is a, like a line of beers you do right yep yep we put one out every one a quarter you know, okay. maybe a little more than that, but uh, we can do 60 barrels of kettle sour at a time, uh, and it shuts our brew house down for like a day or two. So we try to keep it, you know, that's the most we can do. 60 barrels of kettle sour at a time. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, and I feel like this is a good entry into the milkshake world. Uh, it's not <laughs> super sweet. Milkshake sour. Yeah, because usually it's milkshake IPA. Is yep. like what I've those two words really go together. So, milkshake sour. I don't know that it, it's a th- it's a thing, but except it's sitting right in front of me. It we just add some lactose to it. It's yeah. that's about the only thing that makes it. Uh, we we don't add a ton either because we don't. We just want to like a little more mouthfeel, like a little hint of sweetness. Um, okay. okay, I'm a little nervous because the milkshake. But I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna do it. There's some vanilla in there. Oh, yeah. 
And the vanilla really comes out it like the more it warms up, the more like vanilla character you'll get out of it. Yes, and, it's pretty uh, cold. I'm gonna let it. I'm gonna let it warm up. But yeah, I mean, for on first blush, it's very apricot's very forward. Mm-hmm. Vanilla, I could get a little bit. The sour comes through right at the end. Um, mm-hmm. It's not. I'm imagining when it warms up, it's going to be more interconnected. This yeah, makes sense because yeah. it's, the vanilla really ties the room together. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Uh, it's very. It's very like segment. Boom, boom, boom. But I'm mm-hmm. sure once it warms up, it's going to be, uh, it's going to flow nicely. Yeah, like with the sourness level, we were trying to get something that was, wasn't like enamel scrapingly sour. Yeah, dude. We just wanted it to be like drinkable, you know, by the pint. And um, I don't know, there's some freaks out there like me that can just drink sours all night and be super happy. <laughs> uh, but I feel like most people, you know, it's, like some some sourness is good, but too much can be kind of a turnoff. Yeah, um, I mean that was me like five years ago. Yeah, where it's like, yeah, I can do this; it's fine. I never got really heartburn necessarily, but I do feel like some of the sour brewers have sort of tried to dial that sourness up a notch to maybe separate themselves. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think I just sort of got—I don't want to say bored with it, but. Maybe bored. I, like to taste I don't know the other yeah. parts of the beer too, and if it's yeah. like too sour, you know, just kind of what you get. It's kind of like a super bitter IPA. It's like the predominant thing you're tasting. I also feel like if you're into sours, you get into fucking sours, and that's what mm-hmm. you do. And then I think you sort of that pendulum has to swing. I I I, I think mm-hmm. it's few and far between the, the the person who is casually into sours. I'm okay with it. I drink a sour every now and then. But I go yeah. like, I love it. I need to consume everything. I need to do this all the time. Okay, it's too much. And you take mm-hmm. a break for six months and you discover loggers and you never go back. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, yeah, that's where, <laughs> that's where we're all going. Yeah. If you haven't had a good, you know, some people just have never had like a really good logger before. That's true. Uh, I mean, know, they like think... some of the people I work with here have never had a good lager before. And I was like, wow. oh, let me bring you some in. And they're like, oh, that's all I drink now are lagers. And yeah. And it's it's hard. And then with any style, you sort of uh, there's like a list of things that you can sort of are flexible on, you know, different flavors or like, ah, this isn't mm-hmm. my favorite, but it's a lager and it sort of like makes it OK. And I wonder if it's like this is what it's like to be a hardcore IPA drinker mm-hmm. where you're like, oh, maybe it's a little cat pee, but I don't care. It's, you know, six point eight percent. I'm going to chug it. Yeah, and it's bitter. Yeah, it's bitter. And I, so, I feel cool. And doing like it. And- yeah. Yeah. Lagers are. That's where everyone's going. But you know what? I, yeah. I drink a ton of lagers. I love them. I uh, was putting an, an order together for Total Wine for me to pick up. And, you know, just getting a bunch of crap. And uh, a 12-pack of Celebration, of course. And then I, I remembered, I don't know how I remembered, McEwen Scotch Ale. You ever have a McEwen oh. Scotch Ale? No. Bro, it's like, the it's what? class. McEwen's. How do you spell it? M-C-E-W-A-N. Apostrophe S McEwen's. Okay. McEwen Scotch Ale. It's the very first Scotch Ale I've ever had in my entire life in like the late nineties. And mm-hmm. I just have one every once in a while. It's like the celebrator Doppelbach. You like you pick one up every once Ooh, in a while. Yeah. I haven't had a McEwen's in probably five years. And I, I don't know, I bought a four pack and I uh I, I drank and I was like, Oh man, this is good. I wonder if that that lager pendulum is gonna come back. You know, because again, this is how mm-hmm. I, I don't know about you. This is how I get with beers where it's, you get super intimate and you just consume all of the things and you're like, yep, I did it. 
here's all the lagers I've ever next? had. Yeah, and then now yeah. I'm like, I've had all these. Now I'm going to find another style to do, and then you sort of mm-hmm. like hop scotch across everything. So maybe I'm going to be yeah, in the scotch like a, now. It's like a song that you really like on Spotify. You listen to it every day going to work and every yeah. day going home. And then after you know a while, you're like, all right, what's next? What's next? <laughs> yeah, um, I got to... Uh, yeah, especially especially like uh, categories on Netflix. You're like, I've seen, I've consumed all the content. I feel that way on streaming. Mm-hmm. We don't have cable. It's like, ah, I've consumed every content known to man. I can't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I am now ultimate guy. Um, this is warming up, and it's it's interesting. The vanilla isn't coming through more than it was before, but the apricot flavor is. Mm-hmm. It's it's more of a complete apricot flavor. Can you tell me? what you did with the apricots to, to get all of that flavor in here. Yeah. So, uh, initially we started, uh, not fermenting all the fruit out. Uh, so we just get drums from Oregon fruit puree, uh, uh-huh, yeah. like 55 gallon drums. Uh, that seems to work well with our batch sizes, uh, doing it in that quantity. And we just add fruit to the fermenter. Um, and like we'd stabilize it before, so it wouldn't ferment. We wouldn't make like can bombs. Uh, but uh, you know, this was the first beer we fermented all the fruit out of it. Uh, mm-hmm. So you know, when it would get around, you know, five Play-Doh. These beers finish out at about three and a half to four Play-Doh usually. Um, that's like ten, sixteen, roughly. Okay. Uh, we would. Uh, you know, we we just pump the fruit in and, and let it keep fermenting and just eating up all those sugars. Um, but yeah, we just do fruit puree. We do a little research just to get it all into uh, the the tank. But yeah, we just let it ferment out. And, mm. uh, you know, we would do a forced fermentation trial on it, um, you know, before we would pack, uh, before we transfer it into the bright tank, just to make sure we're not going to make can bombs. Uh, so <laughs> you pull you. a sample, you know put a little bubbler cap on it and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, take a gravity reading before and after we find a, a nice warm spot in the brewery and just let it sit for a couple of days. And just to be sure. Yeah. And I'll be honest, like when I see milkshake or milkshake sour, specifically this or whatever, I, I do get a little nervous because in the, those heady days of when these beers sort of happened, fruited sour beers were just exploding mm-hmm. cans across the country. It wasn't just one yeah. brewery, it was several yeah. breweries. And I just always get nervous about it, especially with uh, home brewers. Like I get some oh, home brews yeah. delivered for uh, a homebrew judging show we have called Dr. Homebrew. And because mm-hmm. um, I've had a bottle blow up in my face before, like literally like holding it up and Whoa. it exploded. And it's like, that was not okay. And I'm very, very gun shy because you can hold like a brown bottle up and you go, Oh, that's cloudy. I'm going to, you know, I need those like tongs that, that bomb uh-huh. <laughs> the unit. Has yeah, just, you know, yeah. at least you have glasses, you know, yeah. there's like some level of protection. Yeah, for uh, sure. But yeah, that can, God, that mess, that mess you up. If you had a bottle explode, like right in your face. Oh, so. bro. It's, I'm not saying PTSD, Fuck. but you know, I need, uh, <laughs> I need some pills. No, like yeah, the glass it, like cut me like right, like right by my eye. It was, it was, oh, that's it was scary. a moment. I had a moment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like the big, big breweries, uh, they can afford to have like tunnel pasteurizers and like stabilize their beer that way. But I think using sorbate is becoming more accepted out there in the craft world. Uh-huh. Um, Potassium yeah, sorbate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It just stops the yeast from multiplying. It doesn't stop uh, fermentation mm-hmm. at all. Okay. Um, all right. So, I mean, it's definitely not like Reinheitsgeboten, and I'm sure there are plenty of people out there that don't consider it craft, but 
I know lots of craft breweries that use it. So how do you not consider if you're going to add French fries and cheeseburgers and waffles and macaroni and cheese <laughs> to beer, you can like stabilize your beer with some sorbet. Like right, right. It's, it's not Munich and you know the 1700s. Yes, and you know what? In Reinhardt's school, it was all about taxes, anyways. Yeah, so it's pure economic reasons. Like, right, exactly. Shit about yeah. Like, so if what you're you put in your beer, if you're a libertarian out there and you fucking th- I don't know. I mean, these all, people mm-hmm. also consume McDonald's French fries, which has 18 ingredients in it. It's not oh, just right. French fries. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They'll never people mold. Know. Like, you can just let it sit out there for years. Yeah. It'll just sit there. That's right. Yeah, the the meat. Yeah. And I read somewhere it's like the low moisture content. Like, it, uh, like the because the patties are so thin uh-huh. that the moisture evaporates pretty suddenly. And then there's not a whole lot of moisture to, like, trap, like, mold and, like, la- like mold grow on it, I guess. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That's like food made by science. Like if I was yeah. like a food scientist, it'd be super fun to make. Yeah. I want to eat it, but it'd be <laughs> cool to make. Well, there's a chef, Kenji Lopez Alt. I, I, I always forget his name, but uh, he did like a whole, a serious eat. He did a whole test on, he actually like made smash burgers like that, like McDonald's uh-huh. patties like that, super thin to do like that mold thing. And he goes, yeah, mine didn't mold either, but they're like fresh Whoa. ground. Yeah. So it's cool. Yeah. It's to me, it's even cooler, right? Because that is the yeah. science of like, well, there's no, there's the moisture content so low, the patties are so thin, it just doesn't. It just, I don't know. it just, it's good. Look huh. at us, look at us talking about food. Um, huh. I like this beer, man. <laughs> this is really cool. This is a different flavor. It's very good. Um, it's almost like, uh, dry, like a, a pack of dried apricots. You know, sometimes you get the tart mm-hmm. one, and sometimes you get the really sweet one, and sometimes you get the one that's crunches and that's weird. Um, and they're just sort of different in the in the package based on the apricot mm-hmm. size or whatever. That's sort of the vibe I'm getting out of this glass because you, cool. thanks. Yeah. It's a really rounded apricot flavor. I was really, I, I'm all about balance uh, when I try to make recipes. And so I was really going for something that, you know, it had a little bit of that like sweetness from the lactose, but yeah, was, yeah, everything, nothing really outpaced one another. Like the fruit wasn't too much. The sweetness isn't too much. The sourness isn't too much. Um, you know, for my 10 barrel days, you know, I worked, uh, Tanya Cornett from Ben Brewing Company. Yeah. yeah well, she's been with 10 barrel forever now, but, uh, I mean, she's making cool. like crush all the crushes, like the cucumber crush. And like, she does an Imperial Berliner Weiss, which is like one of the best beers I've ever had. Wow. And so I was like, Ooh, I got to do sours and like, at least try to, you know, live up to Tanya's standard. I think you did like sour. Yeah. Um, I think you'd hit it, man. And it's almost, I want to say like um, the milkshake sort of does a disservice, but that's, but that's my own bias. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure that's exactly what you want to put on the label. So people actually buy it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it is yeah. sort of, it is sort of the same, you know, process. You're adding lactose and I, I totally get everything. Um, and it, it makes me again, want to sort of like not think that, you know, milkshake is a, you know, some kind of four letter word. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, initially I wanted to just do a straight Berliner Weiss style. And uh, the old owner, Ryan, he was the brewmaster. He was like, you know what? Let's make a milkshake. Let's add a little bit of lactose. I was like, I don't know. Could fuck it all up. <laughs> Let's not do this. He's like, no, do it. And uh, yeah, he was right. And I was like, all right, yeah, it's not bad. And, um, you know, that definitely fits with kind of our branding too. And like the kind of the beers that we do, it's, you know, we you know, we're, we're riding the hype train, you know, I'll admit it. Uh, <laughs> hey, it's all right, man. 
but okay. you know we're making lagers we're making like good respectable beers now See, we have and, a lagering tank so and i've I'm always happy. said that's what makes it okay yeah it, you know yeah. <laughs> if you're hype train brewery or whatever uh yeah whatever but you throw a mm-hmm. log or two in there and it's really good like that fest beer and all sins are forgiven that's your confessional Mm-hmm. Is, how is, I feel about it is yeah. your lager yeah it's like okay well look uh, forgive me father for I've made f- 15 milkshake IPAs since my last lager mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah the brewers are always like can we just do a can we do a sour without lactose in it and I'm like well no <laughs> when we get a when we put a pub system back in uh our tap room then we can make whatever we want but yeah the savage is here to stay it's cool. I mean the so. the the logo's rad. The the lettering is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a cool concept. I like it. Cool. Thanks. Peanut butter stout. Now, wh- what am I, what am I doing with my life that I'm sitting here in Oakley drinking a peanut butter stout? Besides living oh, it to its fullest you're, potential, you're riding the pace the pastry train now. This Next is thing a, you know, you're going to be getting like a, a raspberry chocolate milkshake sprinkle. Oh out <laughs> i will um sacrifice myself on the altar of uh celebration ale before i ever do that tell me about this beer man why peanut butter stout what's going on here what's wrong with you are you guys uh, okay is this a cry for help it uh i inherited it okay. uh when i got here but I'm it, totally joking uh, it's way. not super sweet uh it, it, it's, it's a jar i have a um a jar of uh, dry roasted peanuts in my in my house. It smells exactly like that. Yeah, and uh, but it's it's basically like an oatmeal stout. Like we put a shitload of oats in it, um, and you know it's your just your kind of standard stout. And then we add some peanut butter extract and uh, vanilla to it. And uh, yeah, here we are, <sighs> the peanut butter stout, Thomas. It's actually good, dude. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't know. What it's actually tastes good. Yeah, it's not. Too, I think the I've had some other ones out there, and they're just way too sweet. But we try to damp down the sweetness to it. You know. Yeah. Um, well, and I yeah, was going to say, I, I I feel like peanut butter itself, or you know, the the, the peanut the peanuts, right? Um inherently it could be dry as shit mm-hmm. you know and and i i would my fear would be that you would get some sort of dry like dryness out of it like you would have to add sweetness back or was there anything we, like that when you're yeah we had a bag of lactose in the brew okay all right um and you know our mash temp is just your kind of standard stout mash temp like 153 154 somewhere in there okay uh, but yeah, it's it's a great stout. I actually wish we packaged just the stout. Um, I love oatmeal stout, dude. That's my, oh, my yeah, favorite so style. I've been working on one for ten years, and I still can't perfect it. But oh man, there it especially this time of year. As soon as it starts to cool off, oh man, like forget pumpkin spice lattes. It's like it's stout season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, stouts are our our PSLs or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is good, man. And you know what? There's, there's a, um, a, a tannin effect and I'm not going to say tannin isn't like, I don't know. There's several types of tannins, I think in my mind, as far as how they relate to a beer where you mm-hmm. can sort of taste it where it's, it's like too tanniny. 
and it's almost mm-hmm. it almost has a a flavor to it. Yeah, it makes not no like, sense. It's like tongue depressor almost. Yes, like, right. Yeah. But this isn't it. it. It's it is a it is a moisture sucker at the end, mm-hmm. but but a respectable amount because sometimes oatmeal stouts can be a little too sweet, and you want something mm-hmm. to you know clean that up and re- remove that from your mouth. But this does a really good job of sort of providing all that roundness and that richness of the stout and the peanut butter, the vanilla. I'm not, I don't know. I'm not getting too much, which is fine. But mm-hmm. uh, cause I understand it can be more of an accent, but like at the end, it, it sort of does come through with a little bit of that tan and nuttiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just to kind of like wipe your palate off. And, yeah. Um, yeah. And like with the vanilla, we, you know, it's really easy to add way too much vanilla to to a beer. So yeah. just you know, yeah. if you can just barely get a little bit, that's that's it. That's all you need. Unless you're making like a vanilla milkshake beer, I guess. Or <laughs> yeah, well, I know if, somebody's done it. Somebody's done it. Of course, of course. Yeah. Um, I mean, if it's in the name, it has to be present. You know, it's like what we tell people right. on Doctor Homebrew. Like, if you want to submit this as a whatever, if you name it, I have to taste it. Right. Yeah. If it's in the label. I want to taste it. If it's not, then I'm, you know, don't worry about it. Which is why I can't drink them. I can't find the milkshakes in your apricot sour. I don't understand. But I, no, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, man, it's good. And like thinking about it, I can sort of. I mean, I, I can get some of the vanilla. Maybe it's just because it's warming up, or maybe because we're talking about it. But it's not obtrusive, and it, you know, and I, mm-hmm. I, I, I like that. I, I, I think it's a good. Uh, it's just a good little flavor boost. Yeah, that's that's all we're going for with it just to kind of prop up the peanut butter and yeah, that aroma is great man so how does how does a town like reno how does your distribution network take to a beer like this it's a pretty funky beer like surprisingly well like this uh you know in the summer like citrus solo is our number one brand but we're kind of transitioning right now and peanut butter until you know march or april this is going to be our number one brand that we're brewing in the brew house this be a peanut butter stout yeah, is your number one uh, through March or April? Yep, during the winter, Fuck. this is this is it. This is our number one. Like we go from brewing like a sixty barrel batch, maybe once every six weeks in the summer, to doing like a ninety barrel batch every month in, in the winter. <laughs> so, but you brew this during the summer also. Mm-hmm. This yeah, is a year round, surprisingly well, especially like in Reno where it's like a hundred fucking degrees out. Right. Uh, Probably right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually chilly now. It's nice. Okay. It's really nice. <laughs> yeah. There's no smoke. Um, Dude. It's just. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. That's, that's wild. Mm-hmm. I like it. I think it's good, man. Do you have a, a flagship beer? Are the flagship beers gone? The days of flagship beers gone? Or do you guys sort of have I, one? You I think have so. I mean, we have a core. So, uh, what, what Lee Dog has always done is uh, kind of taking that modern times model of having a lot of releases and just mm-hmm. kind of, or I think of it as like a pub style. Like, yes. you know, pubs, they just crank out a million different styles. Yeah. Um, but Lee Dog did that, but on more of a production scale. Um, so we just really leaned into that with uh, like hazy IPAs, mostly the hazy IPAs and like some pastry stouts <laughs> where we're putting, we're doing like one a month. Um, Wow. And like out in the stores, it's like when that, uh, for that skew, it's like when brew beer A is done, beer B is right behind it, you know? Um, and that's 
seemed to work really well, but we have, uh, we, we're cutting our core year-round beers down from seven down to four next year. Um, and so it'll be the Citra, the peanut butter, we do a blonde, uh, and then like a wheat beer with a tangerine, like a tangerine wheat beer. Okay, nice. Um, and uh, that's it. Everything else is going to be rotational. So uh, we have an IPA series and we're going to do one a month. And that's just going to be like all encompassing. So we'll do hazies, doubles. Uh, we do a couple milkshakes throughout the fruited milkshakes throughout the year. Uh, well, we do two, uh, not a ton, but, uh, and then, uh, you know, we have a double IPA that we do year round and then, you know, the sours is a rotational, uh, four a year pastry salts are four a year loggers are four or five a year. So we're just really leaning hard into rotating it, keeping it fresh, um, keeping it new. Like I think these days consumers we're so used as, as consumers to going and trying new things. There's always new things to try. Um, I think the days of being a one beer drinker are kind of over. I think so too. You know? yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, it sounds like you guys are, are, are planning, I mean, definitely months out, but uh, almost sounds like, you know, a, a year out. This is, yeah, what, we this have is what's going to happen. 2022 release calendar planned out. You know, there's a couple TVDs in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, to, you know, we don't want to get too, too locked into to something. Who knows what hot <laughs> new style is going to come out in the summertime. It could be like... Chili beers are coming back. Let's do it. Oh, God. Please, no. <laughs> I've actually had one really good chili beer, and I think it was I think it was a rogue beer, actually. Oh. Yeah. Who would have thought? I don't know. Chili beers are, are extra polarizing. Uh, yeah. I feel like you either hate them or... Or you're broken. Yeah. yeah. They don't bother you that much, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> Man, I, I like this beer. I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 that peanut butter, it's the peanut butter flavor because it almost rides that line between peanut butter. Uh, air. It's like you're. This is the most fucking smooth brain shit I've ever said. But it it almost tastes like you're eating aromatics. It's very aromatic. Yeah. It's I wouldn't yeah. call it hyper flavor. Oh, this is. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I can't. I can't differentiate the smell and the taste. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe that's just a fault of mine. But the the two play really well together. Mm-hmm. it smells like it tastes. I guess maybe that's the problem for me. Not the problem, but the, the problem with my brain. It smells mm-hmm. the way it tastes. And I think, I think that's, that works really well in this, in for, for this beer. Yeah. Like nothing is too overpowering. Like sometimes it's just way too much peanut butter mm-hmm. where like you take a drink and then you go yeah. home, you eat dinner and then you can still, I'm assuming <laughs> most guys who listen to this podcast have like beards. Probably. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's like you can still smell it in your mustache, and, <laughs> yeah. you know, hours later. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool though, man, because you, you know, some beers like, Oh, I wish that this aromatic would be the flavor of this, you know, especially mm-hmm. in these hazy beers that I drank. Like I wish that this and not yours, but just in general on the show, this aromatic is just what I want out of a beer. I don't want it mm-hmm. to taste the way I know it's going to taste, but mm-hmm. this is a, just a very pleasant surprise. It it tastes right. exactly the way it smells. The peanut butter does. And I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think it's cool. Cool. Are Thanks. you going to pass? Well, I'm glad your first uh, peanut butter beer was a success. <laughs> it was a success, uh, yeah. Are you going to pack your oatmeal stout? I feel like you should. 
I really it tastes want like to. a great beer underneath, man. I love an oatmeal stout. It, it, it tastes like this would really carry uh, just well on its own. Yeah, I've, I'm working on sales. You know, the bigger the brewery gets, the more sales kind of runs things. So I've, yeah. I've been uh, twisting some arms Okay. with it. Uh, Tell them I told so. you to do it. Okay, done. I'll be like, you know what? This, this fucking asshole. I've, I've spoken to the people. <laughs> And this is what they want. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, all the people is just me locked in my bedroom yeah. somewhere going, all right, this is what I think. Next, let's go. Mm-hmm. All right, Thomas, well, where can people go to find more about Lead Dog Brewing? Um, that's a great question that I don't really have a good answer to. Uh, yeah, because I went to we the website, web- which, which is yeah. leaddogbrewing.com, but it's sort of down. No, it's not down, yeah, but it's, it's like under a, construction. Yeah. So right now we're going through uh kind of a rebrand we're i think of it as like coming out of startup phase and going into production like the production marathon um just with you know it's a brand new production facility uh most of it was during covid uh so we're still tackling a lot of problems not problems uh opportunities to be better we'll call them Um, yeah tensions (laughs) there were there were some tensions there. yeah 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 um so yeah, the website that'll be up and running at some point. Um, you know, we have a Facebook page. You can always reach out to info at leaddogbrewing.com. Actually, please right. send an email to info at leaddogbrewing.com and harass our uh, marketing guy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and we're in Northern California, Reno area. Uh, we're going to be moving into Southern California a little more here in the next year. Um, a little nice. bit in Vegas. Um, yeah. you know, we're, we're slowly expanding, uh, you know, it's, you know, we only have a 30 barrel brew house right now. So, uh, we have room for more tanks, but getting more tanks is kind of difficult these days with, <laughs> as long as everything else. Yeah. Um, uh, so. you have an Instagram lead dog brewing dot, oh, not lead dog brewing.com, but lead dog brewing, mm-hmm. lead dog brewing. And it's very active. Yeah. There's the Celts on the beach ad, which is very cool. Yep. Yeah. Looks cool, man. Looks like a fun spot. And, and, you know, of course the tap room's open. So if you're right and you guys are open and everything's, everything's mm-hmm. rolling along, I don't want to assume anything. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we have two locations. We have uh, the original, where the original pub was downtown and I, our production facility is out in Sparks and we have a tap room out there and, you know, we're at our original location downtown. We're remodeling it and, uh, you know, getting food trucks and putting a stage in and, we can do music and you know we're still growing and you know in the kind of coming out of the startup phase you know yeah i tend to think about it um but yeah things are going really well we're kind of growing and just kind of constantly improving things and making the spaces better um nice you know and so we're just trying to you know keep the momentum going of like growing and improving and you got to do it. Yeah. Well, it sounds yeah. like, uh, I mean, the, the beers are there, man. So, uh, thanks. You know, yeah, it we have a great like... staff. They're chilling it out there. You know, I just fix things and do Excel and schedule <laughs> at this point. Um, so yeah, we have a great staff, you know, packaging and warehouse and the brewers and it's yeah. small, but you know, they're, they crank it out. Okay. Excellent. That sounds cool, man. Yeah. Um, let's see. Normally I'd let you go. I have a, a feedback. Do you have like, well, I mean, I can let you go. How about this? I'll let you go and I'll read this little feedback I have on the air. 
Oh, oh yeah. I mean, I, I don't have anything tonight. So okay. Well, then I'll just yeah, I'll read this uh, feedback, but Thomas. I, I mean, I appreciate it, man. Um, so I've always said, well, not always said, but I've said uh, for the past couple of months, if you guys have feedback, send it in feedback at thebrewingnetwork.com. I will read mm-hmm. it on the air because I have nothing mm-hmm. else to do. So send feedback, feedback at thebrewingnetwork.com or jp at thebrewingnetwork.com if you want to uh, send me something directly. I mean, I don't know. It, it goes to the same stupid place, so whatever you want to do. But this one is from Nate in Copenhagen. <clears throat> is it Copenhagen? I don't know. Whatever. I guess in being in California, I'm sort of sensitive to pronouncing, you know, names right that aren't in English. You know, it's like San Jose and, you know, whatever. But the Copenhagen, whatever. Who cares? Um, hey, dudes, the session was going pretty well for a while, but I wasn't able to finish listening to the last two. Okay, well, that's probably my fault. Um, Athletic wasn't talking about their vacuum distillation and how they compensate their recipes. Um, yeah, well, they don't do vacuum distillation. So, first of all, Nate, there you go. But, yeah, I mean, you know, of course they're not going to talk about how they, they, they've developed this, uh, you know, process over years. They're not just going to give it away. And I knew that going in. I wasn't 100% sure. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's not their fault. It's, um, they're not allowed to talk proprietary stuff, you know. Yeah, and, and you know, we've, we've, <laughs> we're old enough on this show. This show's been around long enough to, to sort of transcend that moment in time where uh, brew house secrets were kept secret, like hopping mm-hmm. rates and hops even, mm-hmm. and how people dry hop. To now it's just everyone's helping everybody. Not mm-hmm. now, but that's always what it was. But now it's sort of like a, I don't know about a faux pas, but it's sort of different now. We're like, oh, I can't talk about that. It's like, it's just fucking, do you dry yeah. hop cold or hot? Like, and that's like kind of the fun part, right? Is you yes. like, if somebody wants to try to do a clone or something, then, you know, you throw like a couple tidbits out there and like, let them play with it. And, you know, that's how you develop as a brewer or like a home brewer. Right. That's how you learn about ingredients. Right. And, and, you know, the thing someone mentioned, uh, you know, when we were going through this, I would guess 2008, 2010 or whatever. I mean, we had, you know, it thing, the door really opened when Vinny came on and was just, here's the, here, I'm an open book about how I make Pliny. And it's yeah. like, if you can just talk about how you can make what the number one IP in the world since time began or whatever, mm-hmm. y- you know, XYZ brewery in, you know, I don't know, fucking somewhere in North Dakota. You can tell me if you dry hop at, you know, 60 or, or 58. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's that yeah. kind of thing. And if, if that's the difference that's going to make someone else's brewery, then that other brewery has different problems rather than their dry hopping thing. So it shouldn't really be a, a thing. So anyway, I, I think yeah. on this show we get a little, I don't know about sensitive, but, uh, you know, sometimes it's like, just you just let me know. But with a process like removing most of the alcohol out of your beer, I understand that 100%. And uh, I thought the athletic guys were great. The beers were good, and I, I definitely recommend mm-hmm. them. Um, but, yeah, I, mean, I've, I figured that. So, you know, that's probably my fault. Um, for the love of God, wheel tasties embalmed corpse and mobile phone in at least if you can't get co-host. It ain't fair to leave JP twisting in the wind. Um, yeah, look, man, I understand, Nate. It's times are tough. I mean, we have co-hosts literally all across the Bay Area and and Northern California. Um, it's a challenge, and uh, especially you know people now are double vaxxed and boosted, and you know people are traveling, people are doing stuff, and I can't expect everybody to come on the show all the time. But I will say we are Jay and I are talking about uh, you know getting back into the studio, at least the session, moving back into the studio, and then I'll probably still be here because I got a kid who's too young to get vaccinated and I just don't want to, I don't want to chance it. You know what I mean? I know the, the risk is very low, but I just, I just feel uncomfortable about it. So 
Um, look for that. I don't know when. A couple months, maybe. Who knows? So you definitely have me for a couple months, but limited time. So I think that's uh, I think that's okay to say. Hopefully, hopefully, I don't know. I have no details about it. We were just literally talking about it last week. So uh, co-host will be on soon. I think some changes will happen, and uh, you know, I think it's going to be for the better. To be honest with you. So I think the show will only get better. Uh, I do miss the segments, news, feedback, whatever. Hopefully someone sends you feedback you can read on air. Nate in Copenhagen. Yeah, man. I Look, Nate, I agree. Uh, you're the first piece of feedback I've gotten in like two months. And, uh, you know, feedback is obviously a listener-generated segment. So if you're not sending it in, I can't read it. I can make it up. I'll make up feedback all day long. That's what I do. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Thomas, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Lead dog brewing, lead dog brewing.com lead dog brewing on Instagram. Um, check them out. If you're in the Reno sparks area, which our, our very own Bev uh, goes to Reno quite a bit. So definitely, uh, tell her about it. Go there and check it out. And, um, yeah, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for sending the beers. They were, yeah, they were all tasting for, pretty thanks good. Thanks for talking. And, uh, yeah, when we have some more, when we get, get some more, uh, good lager releases i'll send them out to you yeah please do and then you know eventually i i, I would love to have you guys in the studio because it's a different vibe and then you know we can get mm-hmm. your beers on tap like i was saying and and it's a whole it's it's just a different yeah, it sounds awesome. it sounds super yeah. fun yeah that'll be cool oh. yeah. uh all right thomas man I, I really appreciate it thanks and then thanks everybody for listening um i i really appreciate that you know if you're looking for more beer content of course we have uh, bruce strong who's jamil and john palmer show um, new episodes are coming out all the time. I have a couple to edit this week, actually. Got Dr. Homebrew. Um, I think there's a new episode coming this week, although I can't really remember. Yeah, I think there's a new episode coming this week. Uh, and of course, all of our other shows. So, anyway, until next time, everybody, we'll see you later. Take care. Charity.